Double Take is an extension of the award-winning movie review show Cinema Classics, which airs Thursdays at 8.01 p.m. on WCBE 90.5 FM, Columbus, Ohio. Hosted by John DeSando, this podcast features additional content and discussion with guests. I'm John DeSando. And I'm K.G. Klein. And this is Double Take. And regardless of what your supercritical sensibility says about Killers of the Flower Moon, we have a classic here. Anytime a new Martin Scorsese film comes out, it's very noteworthy. We don't have very many of them, and no. uh, this is more of Martin Scorsese than we've ever had before. I started looking at his filmography. Ken, what a splendid filmography. My goodness. He is plentiful. one of the great masters. There's no arguing that. Wow. He is capable of some amazing works of cinema. Yeah. I mean, we were, we're talking about Goodfellows. This is not an epic movie. This is a long movie. <laughs> well, it has epic qualities to it. That is its subject matter, the uh, killings in the Osage tribe back in the 20s. It, 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 there are things that were ap- epic happening that I thought he captured. Now, there are things that he missed, of course. Like, I'm very disappointed that he didn't do more with the Osage tribe. That he's once again and, and, is so in love with that his is ma- absolutely male actors. So, so the movie is about, it starts out in 1917 after an extremely lengthy prologue <laughs> that reminds me of the opening of the Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, where you have the, the Osage Indians who originally started in Arkansas and Alabama were driven from their lands by federal uh, authorities and kicked around quite a bit before they finally purchased, with the last little bit of money they had, a worthless scrap of land in northeast. <laughs> Eastern Oklahoma, <laughs> along with its mineral rights. They settled, oh, no, there you go. Yeah, all like all 3,400 of, of them left settled on this, this worthless piece of prairie, only to discover a few years later that it has one of the largest oil deposits in North America, and suddenly the Osage Indians go from having just the clothes on their back to being the wealthiest people in North America per capita. Yeah, they're worth millions each. Yeah, well, they're, they're gaining anywhere from $12,000 a year to $160,000 dollars a year on what they call head rights, which is your portion of the oil revenues. So a family of four could be bringing in three or four hundred thousand dollars a year if they uh, they were you know were, were full blooded Osage. And what do they call them? The the government not allow them to oversee their own wealth. Well, they were ruled to be incompetent. Of course, <laughs> when there was that much money involved, the the, the state government and 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 unfortunately, I'm going to use the word white people have oh, to yeah. get involved right away. And they rule them incompetent to be able to manage this amount of money. So they are appointed trustees to oversee their money. These oh, people who have $100,000 or more in the bank can't spend $3 on a bar of soap without a white person telling them they have permission to do so. It is cringing, along with the almost 30 murders they know of. There's stuff going on here, and you mentioned it. The white men and the white men here in charge are Leo and Robert De Niro. Well, in this in this film, those are the people in yeah. charge. Now, the truth is, it was a much much broader thing, which we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. But the the movie opens again, 1917. Ernest Hale has returned from World War One. He is a simple minded fellow who was a cook in World War One, played by Le- beautifully by Leonardo DiCaprio. He does a good job. Underplayed one of his most complicated and fascinating roles. However, he comes. Comes home to his uncle, King Hale, who is the king of Osage County. He is a, a very friendly person with the Indians. He is very supportive of them. He's built schools. He's built hospitals. He's built 
everything you can think of to support them using money that he seems to be earning from his cattle ranch. Yeah, this, However, is, this is Robert, played by Robert is played De Niro. played by Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio back together again yeah. after 30 years. De Niro with his sneer. De Niro and with his sneer. nobody can do it yeah, better than he can. And, of course, De Niro has seen for the, in living among the Indians that there is a great deal of wealth here <laughs> that should be coming to the white man, <laughs> namely him. So... So they're offing ladies in the Osage tribe in order to get a handle on the head rights. Well, to get the money from the oil, you have to marry into an Osage yep. family. So the plan is for King to get his young nephew to marry an Osage woman and then make sure that the money, through process of elimination of all of her other family members, ends up all in her hands. And then we just off her, and now all the money belongs to King and his Nephew, And I think that one of the brilliances of the movie is with Scorsese working with DiCaprio to make a little more complicated character than the simple-minded one that first appears in the film. And he's simple-minded throughout, but yet... His feelings for Molly, who stole the show. And now we can talk about Molly. Yes. <laughs> Played by Lily Gladstone. Yes, exactly. Lily Gladstone. She steals this movie. She'll she, be nominated. She will be nominated. She's got a good chance of winning. She is. She plays this role so subtle, and there is real chemistry between her and Leonardo DiCaprio. And I love it's palpable. It. Yeah, I, I love it. It's a sincere problem. That is the problem for underneath all of this uh, Leo's character, Ernest, is really going after the headrights. And he will spare nothing to get there along with the help of his uncle. But you uncle. get the sense that Leo's character is in, in his heart is not an evil person. Oh, no, I, I agree. And that's why I, I emphasize that simple-minded. I don't think he's even complicated he enough to be He is being manipulated bad. and toyed yeah. by his uncle in this organized crime syndicate. Yes. And, and, and here is where this movie takes a, a, a sharp turn. Is You and I would have read the book Killers of the Flower Moon, and we would have seen this as a, a story about the repression of the um, the Native Americans and just the rampant racism that existed in America in the 1920s that would allow this whole thing to set in motion. Scorsese reads this book and he sees a mobster gangster story. <laughs> and of course he would. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I think you're right. That's why I come back to my, I find that the Osage tribe had so much potential and that he really, while well, he gives you some of the cultural touchstones, including their costumes and, and even their cars and their homes and so on, things that had happened to the Osage tribe. I, with, with the exception of Molly, I just don't get anything more. He get, So in, enthralled is Martin Scorsese with his bad boys that he makes them, I think you make a really good, a good point. Now, secondly, let me add to yours, not quite as flashy as your point. But my point is, hey, I want more about this FBI. Jesse Plemons is just way too good. He is fantastic. (laughs) Now, he plays the federal agent. It's not the FBI yet. In fact, the book is really about the story of the formation of the FBI and how this particular case, the Osage uh, Reign of Terror, as it was called, caused the FBI to come into existence. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the The book starts... About two hours into the movie, so the first two hours of the movie is is the backstory that the book didn't deal with. Yeah, absolutely. It's he, the once the federal agents show up, which is about two hours into the movie, it takes an interesting turn because suddenly you've got Leonardo DiCaprio's character running scared to his uncle. When up to this point he's felt fearless and able to do what he wishes, and then you see the uncle 
becoming more and more defiant. And he is, he is the crime syndicate boss. He is the one that feels oh, he yeah. is immune. You know, one of, the, uh, one of my interpretations of this is that De Niro is doing a superb job of balancing between good and bad. And that even in the end of this story, it's never quite certain how good he is. You can see how bad he is, but how good he is because he has in his web of uh, deceit for, over the people, he has given them schools. I mean, he has done a great deal of charitable business. And that's one of the sad things about the story that doesn't get a chance to evolve is that he was really concerned about for making his community better. And he would have been, to two people in the community at the time, he would have been a hero, particularly to the white members of the community, because he was taking this money and funneling it in yes. and making the community yeah. better. But at the same time, racism was so endemic in this society that the idea that he was killing people in order to get more money would have been forgivable oh, at yeah. that time. Yeah. It would have been, okay, well, yeah, he's killing a few Indians, but that money is going into the community, and he's bettering the community, so it all washes out. Yeah, and, and at that time in the 20s, as we're moving toward uh, the big crash, and, uh, and we, have, we have a time when paying attention to this wasn't something they would do. There was, here we no. have this, this devastation going on, this racism beyond belief, and we barely the police it. were a part of it as well. Yeah. The police were probably among the people yeah. killing yeah. the Indians. There was just nowhere that the Osage could go to seek justice until they finally give twenty thousand dollars to the federal government and ask the federal government to come in and please investigate this. Very sweet yeah. little shot scene with Coolidge and Molly when she goes to ask him yes. for help. Very cool. Very one, understated. Wonderful, wonderful scene. <laughs> but as you were saying, if there's one failing, and th- this movie is worth seeing. Let's, let's not oh, stop Oh, come here. on. It's worth seeing. It's the, the best movie of the year. <laughs> so far. If you yes. can stomach a three and a so half hour movie, I would agree that it is one of the best movies of the year oh, so far. Oh, there you go. I, I, I still put that. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse oh, ahead God, of it. Oh, God, But uh, <laughs> you're not going to get Spider-Man out of me. But the, I would say that if you can stomach a long three and a half hour movie that does have some slow parts. Yeah. I mean, you will have moments. Oh, I think we have so much more to say about this movie. Before we get into Martin Scorsese, do you have any other comments about the movie? Well, the filming of it is absolutely magnificent. The cinematography is beyond belief. And the sets. I mean, you go from these sweeping vistas of the Oklahoma prairie and oil fields and oil drill, you know, oil towers as far as the eye can see. The, the opening scene when Ernest gets off the train and he's thrust into this community of Fairfax, Oklahoma. Yeah, energy. Yeah, yes. the, where there are oil people there waiting for yes. their workers and there is fighting going on. There's gambling. Anti-car and races. Anti-car yeah, races just... and rich, rich Indians everywhere driving the yes. fanciest cars imaginable. And, and he wanders into this like a baby. He has no idea what he's getting himself into, and he heads straight for his uncle, and of course his uncle tells him how it's going to be. Yes, yes. he and De Niro are quite good. They're wonderful. The uh, dynamic is fantastic. And and I'll repeat, I think you can see Scorsese here working with, with particularly with Leo. Yeah. whom he loves, who is really a muse for him. Now, De Niro is about twice as old as Ernest Hale with Ashley have been yeah, at this Ernest time. Ernest is very young, actually. Ernest about 24. Yeah, right. But I love how DiCaprio plays the character like a war-weary 
Oh, he is. You know, aged prematurely by his experiences yeah. in World War I. I think he's he able is. to pull it off. Yeah, oh, oh, very definitely. If you think he's still in the, on the Titanic, you're wrong. No. He, he makes no. the transition beautifully. Th- this may be his best acting to date. You know, I think you may be right. Uh, did he get it for Revenant? Yes, I think he did get it for The Revenant. And he didn't, not for Wall Street? He did not. I don't think he did win for, for Wolf okay. of Wall Street. Right. No. Wolf yeah. of Wall Street was a fantastic film. Well, yeah. yeah. You can see the benefits that both DiCaprio and, and De Niro have had in their relationship with Scorsese. I just don't think that there's any other collaboration that's as astounding <laughs> as, that, as, as that. Those three together. Oh, my yeah. goodness, yeah. yeah. All right, now, the... The, for me, the heart of this is Martin Scorsese, and I'm beginning to think he may be our greatest director. When I looked at his filmography, I, I said, wow, this is I, I would tend to disagree. Okay. And I would disagree because I think he gets himself into a niche, and he's the master of that niche. Yes. But when he treads outside of his comfort zone, okay. I don't think he is as good as some other directors. I don't think he's as good as Spielberg, who would be another one I would throw out there. Yeah, well, that's a good choice. Yeah. Ken, can you think of a favorite Scorsese film that you have? Oh, Goodfellas. Goodfellas? Goodfellas, yeah, absolutely Goodfellas. Okay, now why? Because Goodfellas balances a sense of humor with the beautifully structured film. You know, you watch the whole thing build and build and build, and then you watch it completely self-destruct. And talk about your cinematography. There's an homage to that in this film, the tracking shot. The tracking shot. In in Goodfellas, it was the tracking into the restaurant. And in this movie, it's the tracking of Ernest off the train as he winds his way And as he goes into Molly's place. Oh, yes. Yes. I mean, he's a genius. Come on. He is absolutely. His cinematography is top-notch. There will be moments in this movie where you're blown away. There's a scene when you see the the out of focus fields on fire. Oh, the silhouette scene. The silhouette get out beating the fire wow. and working. And this goes on for two or three. You know, minutes. this is Bergman style. Oh, it absolutely Whoa. amazing. Oh, I mean, absolutely thank you amazing. for reminding you know, I, me. I, about I felt that. like I wanted to just cheer that scene. If you want to talk about just visually a work of art, that scene. Which it can work metaphorically, of course, for everything that's happening. Yeah. These guys trying to put out this fire and, and the, the destructiveness of it. But just visually, set against that silhouetting with the oranges. and Yeah, and, oh, yeah it's just astonishing. And I'm looking at them and saying, what is this? Anyway, yes, thank you. I'm, I'm trying to think now one that I could offer up to you to, to, as a companion piece to Godfellas or at least Taxi Driver when they think of oh, yes. Scorsese. Yeah. Don't you? Yeah. yeah. Do you believe it was, that, a, that it might was, be his best? It, uh, All right, Godfellas, you have actually said that. But. Goodfellas is his most enjoyable movie. Right, At least right. personally to me, yeah. I enjoy watching. I could see Goodfellas, excuse me, once a year, be completely happy with that. Taxi Driver, I've seen two or three times. I, it's a great movie. I don't know as it has the enjoyability of uh, Well, like... Uh, Tarantino's movie. I'm thinking of the Touchstone you, movie. The are one you talking that, about Pulp Fiction? Yes. Yeah. That everybody looks at. That's where I think Taxi Driver is the Pulp Fiction. That his, is his it, Pulp Fiction. Or yeah, Pulp Fiction his, is, he, is Tarantino's uh, yeah, Taxi Driver. Right. Taxi Driver is such a dark and gritty film. Oh, the descent into the, the, the darkness and the soul of this man. The problem I have with this when I'm comparing right, it now to... We're talking flowers again. We're talking flowers again. The problem I've got with this movie is the pacing. With Goodfellas, for instance, you've got an action uh, sequence about every 15, 20 so minutes. He slowed it up. He, well, you've only got, what, five deaths in this movie, a three and a half hour movie, and they're occurring at about half hour 40 
40-minute intervals, and there's a whole lot of exposition taking place in the meantime. Scorsese does not completely ignore the fact that this is really the story of 250-plus Indians who were killed probably by over 100 different people, most of them white people, over the span of about 20 years. But he deals with that in an exposition scene in a tent where you have the tribal council come together and you listen for 20 minutes to the tribal leader talking oh, about did, these yes, events. Yes. So you know, he basically checks off the box of, yeah. I've covered that Good point. with a 20-minute-long yep. scene that You're goes on right. much too long, when really these are the things that he should have been showing in the movie. Yeah, and it's always a classic, not a mistake, but a misstep, is when you when you do that kind of thing rather than when you resort to exposition yeah, yeah, instead of showing it because you've got an agenda that you really want this movie yes, to be a gangster movie yeah. and you're going to pigeonhole it in and and Scorsese wastes no time turning this movie into a mobster movie <laughs> when it didn't need to be a mobster oh, movie. One of the ironies here is that for this filmography again that I can't even begin mm. to attack, he won the Oscar for Departed. Departed, yeah. Which is not, as far as I'm concerned, one of his great films. No, and he was well-recognized for Hugo also, which <laughs> was a real step to the side of oh, his listen, usual Oh, listen, what films. I love about Hugo, he did that for his daughter. Yeah. He said he had to make a movie that his daughter would see. Could well, be able to see. <laughs> how do you do that? What do you just decide? You wake up and say, I think I'm going to make a movie for my daughter. How do you, how do, you do that and, and, and do it well? Well, it got a lot of attention when it came out, and it was recognized as a big departure for Scorsese. But it's a be- like this, it's a beautiful movie. Ken, he has hundreds of nominations, maybe almost 200 nominations, and yet he, 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 for Best Picture, he gets only one, and it's not even his best. This place is crazy. <laughs> but he is Well, it's what you're up against. Oh, and the politics of his own, because when I looked at that, I said, no, no way this man could could get only one Oscar out of all these films. And and what the ones we've talked about could have been Oscar worthy uh, without question. Now, one that I hope you know that I think most people don't know that I think is brilliant. The King of Comedy. Did you ever? Uh, oh yes, I saw that when it first came out. Wow, uh, it's Jerry actually Lewis? not a favorite of mine. No, okay, no because uh, it is so dark. Um, <laughs> and, and even though it's got comedy in the title, there's very little funny about this movie. <laughs> if you love this, if you love dark films, if you love watching people oh, descend into into madness, yes, you're right. This is a great <laughs> film, and of course, having Jerry Lewis being oh. the, the person just makes it that much more inspired. Inspired, and I, I would say uh, hard to watch. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's not an easy movie to watch. <laughs> well, we have De Niro going really dark in Cape Fear. Cape Fear, another great film yeah, based on another I great story. That was a, yeah. a, a very wise choice. All right, let me see what else. Well, for De Niro, for working with Scorsese, what could be better than Raging Bull? Yeah. And Scorsese says he knows nothing about boxing. <laughs> he doesn't care about boxing. You couldn't boxing. tell that, though. <laughs> no, no but, but De Niro wanted to play it. Yeah. And that's how good a collaboration the two of them are. And another, I believe that was another one nominated for Best Picture. Yes, yeah. yeah. And De Niro got it for Best De Actor. De Niro got it for Best Actor. Right, yeah. Yes. Oh, yes. You, how, how, you know, how, how bad can you get when you. Scorsese has a history of t- taking actors to the next level and getting them in front of the podium wow, at the Oscars. Wow, you wow. know, more than he has himself. And, and Scorsese is amazingly respected in the in Hollywood. This is a man who has been keeping Hollywood alive almost through his own blood, sweat, and tears. Yep. You know, he continues to to see Hollywood as this 
this great shining, shining thing on a hill, an ideal that he continues to strive for. Even as Hollywood becomes more and more indulgent in just money, 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 he still sees the golden age of Hollywood as attainable. And I love that about him. He still shoots in film, one of the few that does. And I love that about him. <laughs> one of the final ironies for our discussion is a superficial one. I love the fact that he's five foot three. <laughs> I mean, this is a man. This is a giant who is five foot three. Yeah. And his chutzpah of putting himself at the end of Killers. The very last person that I'm, you see and giving, giving any dialogue is Scorsese himself. Confirming my not big deal, but that we have mostly white men doing the job here. DiCaprio, De Niro, Scorsese. We, we don't really have an Osage filmmaker for this, which you would we have don't. thought. Well, we don't have Native American filmmakers. I know, I know. That, and that's, you know, we're the, we're, we're the weaker yeah. for that. Well, K.G. Klein, it's Killers of the Flower Moon. Yes. Which both Ken and I agree will be nominated yes. in several categories. Oh, yeah. This yeah. is going to be one of the three films, I think, that you need to watch for the Oscars. The other is going to be Napoleon. Right. Which will be coming out here in a few weeks. Well, we'll wait and see. Okay. Yes. And then the other is going to be Barbie. Right. We cannot, oh, we cannot oh, exclude Barbie. You didn't from. say anything about your spider baba. Well, it's going to win Best Anime. <laughs> but that's as far as it's going to go. Animated films have been subjugated to the, to the realm of animation ever since Beauty and the Beast very nearly took Best Picture and would have really, really caused a flat of flop. Wow. 